Hi, my name is Carly and welcome to Arise's Sermon of the Week. We hope that you experience God as you listen to this message and that you find practical ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus within your community. So let's open up our spiritual ears as we listen to this message. Hey, what's up, Risers? How you guys doing? Yes. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. As Pastor Kieran just said, if we've never met, my name is Brent and I get the privilege of being your lead pastor. We're going to continue to experience God together today in what I think is a a pretty uh, good message for the times that we're living in right this second. But as we do that, we always want to celebrate and I want to celebrate a volunteer spotlight today, uh, Scott and Vet Barian. You guys who are watching online right now, thank you, thank you, thank you for your volunteer service. You guys rock. I'm pretty sure they're not in the room right now. I just want to make sure you're not in here right now, Scott and Vet, right? Okay, just making sure, just making sure. Also want to celebrate, hey, next week we start back into another phase of, of getting back into whatever the new normal is. And so next week we start back with the Rise Kids Junior. So the nursery is open back up. Come on, y'all. Yes, yes. So if you're watching online and you haven't been able to be here because you've got a few tykes running around, bring them back next week. It's going to be awesome. As well as a few other things are opening back. The cafe will be opening back with some limited things. Uh, we'll be back and having altar calls again with some uh, requirements around that, as well as communion on the sides next week. So that is, is awesome. All right. Hey, unless you live um, under a bridge somewhere, you probably know that, that Halloween was last night, right? So uh, Halloween, the kids get all dressed up. Ada had our, our grandkids get dressed up like this. Here's a, here's a picture of them. Uh, Brody was a knight in shining armor, and Emma was the princess that he saves. Come on, y'all. You got to give me an all or something for that. That's just, that's just cute. I wish you could zoom in on her face. She's so stinking adorable in that picture. Um, but in the middle of that, you're going to have all these kids going around to houses and, and cars and different things like that in front of, in front of the, the house and driveway uh, saying, trick or treat, trick or treat, trick or treat. Sometimes in life, there are things that look like a treat that turn out to really be a trick. You ever had some of those? Somebody's like, I married one. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> but, but, I mean, anybody in here, you ever got like suckered in, like, no, like, no offense if this is you, but you, you ended up buying a timeshare that five minutes later, you're like, please, I wish I had not have bought this timeshare, right? Uh, there's certain friendships that sometimes they come with some strings attached, right? You start this friendship, this relationship, quickly find out there were some expectations to go along with that. Certain jobs are like that. So you get this dream job or some job that looks really great. You step into it. You find out that it's not nearly as good as what you thought it looked like. Um, uh, anybody ever been trapped buying a late night something on an infomercial, Right. You bought the sham wow or, you know, whatever. Like, and you got it home and you're like, it, it really looked good, but you found out it wasn't nearly as good as you thought it was. Had some strings attached. Like I remember going to buy a car one time and you know how the, the car lots will advertise the price of the vehicle and then you show up and they're like, that's not the price at all. That's the price if you qualify with all 1,400 requirements for what you qualify for that nobody on planet Earth actually qualifies for, Right. It's like, like if you're military and law enforcement at the same time, if you are exactly 39 and a half years old, if you were born on the fourth Sunday of April in 1980, what a, you know, and you're like, nobody actually qualifies for that, right? There's all these strings attached. Uh, sometimes you get that with all different places, right? Sometimes you hear the stories of politicians who end up getting money given to them, but it's money with strings attached, right? So I'm going to give you the money, but you got to vote the way I want you to vote. you got to follow things the way I want you to follow them. Um, you got to make sure you watch my back as you're in office, right? That's a big problem that all of us in our political season, we kind of see those kind of problems. But sometimes it's like that. Sometimes things start innocently, but they end up with these strings that are attached, 
That's what it's going to be like with the Antichrist. Now, today we get to talk on this fun subject of the Antichrist, the Mark of the Beast, and 666. This is the subject that, like, like if you've never been to church in your life, you've never opened up a Bible in your life, you still know something about the Antichrist, the Mark of the Beast, and 666, because you've seen it in horror movies, or you've seen it at Halloween Horror Nights, or something. Like, you've at least got some kind of familiarity with it. Today, we're going to take it a step further and see how this Antichrist figure presents a good thing. He presents a treat that really has a trick on the other side of it. In fact, at the time when this happens, uh, the whole world will be tricked and they'll be tricked into believing a lie. Uh, uh, and it's bigger than just what you see in the scary movies or, or the Mark of the Beast or Halloween costumes and things like that. Because this is not fictional. It's not fake. It's not something that's just for a movie. This is real life that in some ways we are seeing played out right in front of us. And we will get there in just a second. Now, when it comes to the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast, it talks about the Antichrist, Mark of the Beast, and these things in multiple books of the Bible, not just Revelation, but one of the places is in Revelation chapter 13. And uh, so we're going to read the first 18 verses, which is the whole chapter, a little longer than we normally would, because I want to make a couple little quick points as we paint this big picture of what's going on. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1 through 18. said, The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, all right, so this is metaphorical and poetic literature as, as John is writing it on the Isle of Patmos. And so he's making metaphors to different things. This metaphor here, when you see the dragon, that's the devil. Okay, you're about to see another one. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. The beast is the Antichrist, right? Y'all with me so far? No, it's a little deeper. All right. The beast coming up out of the sea, it had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns and each... A head, a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and his great or his great authority. See, the beast is, is indwelt. This beast represents the Antichrist. The Antichrist is indwelt by the power of the devil. So the same way we would say a Christian is indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit, this Antichrist is indwelt. He is empowered with both the power and the authority of the devil. The same way you have the power and the authority of God the Father. One of the heads of the beast uh, seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the wound had been healed. There's almost like a resurrection type thing that happens with this Antichrist. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they had worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? Once again, we see uh, throughout the Bible that Satan desires to be worshipped as God. That's his goal. And you see this playing out right here in the end times as he's setting himself up as God to be worshipped by the very people that were meant to worship God only but are now worshipping Satan through the beast. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will, boast, will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb... Uh, was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed by the sword, the sword they will, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Then I saw a second beast coming up out of the earth. Now the second beast is the picture of the false prophet that will accompany the Antichrist that comes up beside him. And in this way you end up with a counterfeit trinity. 
just like anything that's good, somebody's going to counterfeit it. Somebody's going to try to make a fake. In this case, you end up with the devil making his very own trinity, Satan or the dragon being the, the uh, uh, counterfeit God the Father, uh, the Antichrist being counterfeit God the Son or Jesus, and the false prophet being the counterfeit Holy Spirit. So, carrying on, it had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given... Uh, the power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. This just reminds me, don't chase signs and wonders. Chase God and you will find signs and wonders, but if you chase signs and wonders, you may not find God. Don't chase signs and wonders. The devil can do signs and wonders as well. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced people, great and small, forced, forced, forced people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or their foreheads so they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. That's what people refer to as the mark of the beast. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. All right, you ready? Was that as clear as mud you all just read right there? Like I say, I'm going to help provide some clarity to it, especially for the world that we live in right now. But when we talk about the Antichrist, the word itself brings up these ideas of supreme evil and ultimate deception and end of the world, apocalyptic holocaust type type images. And so let's see if we can't break it down a little bit. Number one, if you're taking notes, the Antichrist is both coming and here. The Antichrist is both coming and here. Say, what in the world are you talking about? I'll help it make sense in a second. But first, uh, who or what is the Antichrist? First of all, the word Antichrist does not even appear in the book of Revelation. It appears about a hundred times in other books of the Bible. And people like Daniel referred to the Antichrist. Jesus referred to the Antichrist. Paul referred to the Antichrist. John referred to the Antichrist. And all of them predicted the Antichrist coming. However, read 1 John 2.18 is one of the predictions and one of the times it's mentioned. John says, Dear children... This is the last hour, and as you have heard that the, that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. And so we find ourselves in this place where we have to realize that the spirit of the Antichrist is always here and among us. People sometimes ask me, they say, is the Antichrist here on earth today? My answer is always yes. But he was also on the earth 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. He was on the earth then. The difference is what we see in this, in this passage and in the one we're about to see is that there is a holding back of the, the Antichrist until the Lord allows him to be revealed. So what is the Antichrist? That is the Greek word antichristos, which just means one who is against Christ or one who is in the place of Christ. Both of, these, both of these definitions are true. And this Antichrist figure will be, will be intelligent and engaging and magnetic. And he'll be suave. He'll be charismatic. People will love him. He's not going to walk around with a black cape and 666 tattooed across his forehead for everybody to recognize who he is. 
He will be a person that we all love, that we all want to emulate, that we all want to be around. You know, Sean Connery just passed away. He's the best example of that I can name. Everybody in this, like, if you don't like Sean Connery, I don't like you. I'm just saying. I'm teasing a little bit, but you know what I'm saying. Everybody loves Sean Connery, his British accent, his suaveness, his movies. Everybody likes Sean Connery. I don't want to put him under the bus and act like he's the Antichrist because he's not, but, but, but the image of Sean Connery is a good image of what the Antichrist will look like. Everybody loves Sean Connery. How could you not love Sean Connery? He's great, right? Great actor, great films, great personality, great charisma. And that's what you'll see right here with the Antichrist. In a very real sense, the devil does wear Prada. Come on, somebody. That he will look the part, act the part, have that charisma, look with the best clothes on and, and make people want to be like him. And in that sense, there is an antichrist that is alive and well in every generation. There's always antichrist, as I mentioned before. Every generation has an antichrist. Listen to Second Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. Go this way. <laughs> For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back, that's, the, that's lawlessness right there is the Antichrist, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed. That's the Antichrist. Whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow in the breath of his mouth and destroy the splendor of his coming. The Antichrist is always there. It's just a matter of till the Lord allows him to be revealed in the ultimate sense. But the devil is always there and that spirit of the Antichrist is always there. And you consistently see throughout time how believers have tried to figure out who the Antichrist is. Right? There's some of you in this room that you've probably said somebody is an Antichrist. Uh, if you were to go through the notable ones throughout history, people like Nero, Domitian, Constantine, Charlemagne, uh, Napoleon, Martin Luther, Mussolini, Stalin, Hitler, Gorbachev, uh, Jimmy Carter, Henry Kissinger, Ronald Reagan, Anwar Sadat, uh, uh, Saddam Hussein, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, Pat Robertson, and numerous other people. In fact, the one that's probably the most common is the Pope. Every Protestant always names the Pope as the potential Antichrist, and maybe he is, I don't know. Uh, but in fact, Protest prominent Protestants like Martin Luther, John Calvin, and John Wesley all identified the Pope as the Antichrist. Here's what I want you to see right here is this. One thing is certain. Everyone in the past who named an Antichrist so far has been wrong. So if we could learn anything from them, maybe the best bet is not walking around trying to find out who the Antichrist is. Instead, maybe we should be spending our time focusing on who the Christ is. I was taught years ago that if you want to spot a fake dollar bill, what you do is you study the original, you don't study the fake. If you want to spot the counterfeit, you study the original. Because there's a million counterfeits, you could never study all those. But if you study the original, you'll always recognize the counterfeit, right? Listen, if you want to find and be able to recognize the Antichrist when he comes, focus on the Christ and you'll recognize the Antichrist. But don't let the Antichrist steal your focus from the Christ. Then you find yourself in another bad place, right? And you see this, this spirit here, verse 7 says that the Antichrist makes war with the believers. He is coming against the believers, and I just want to say that there is an antichrist mentality that is growing inside the United States. It has been here, it has fostered from the seedling and is growing up. And now it is getting to a place where you might be in trouble at times for things you believe as a Christian. All of a sudden, this mentality that sets itself up against Christ is very much alive and well in the United States. But also the one that sets itself up in the place of Christ. 
Also the very mentality that says, I don't owe God my success. I don't owe glory to him for what I've accomplished in my life. It was by my own sweat, my own tears, my own strength that I accomplished these things. And so you end up putting yourself in the place of Christ, even as a believer. And so you're not worshiping the Lord, you're worshiping yourself. And the spirit of Antichrist begins living in you and I. So maybe we need to ask this, since the Antichrist spirit is always present, maybe we need to stop asking who is the Antichrist and start asking, am I the Antichrist? Let that sink in. Am I opposing Christ? In my own self, am I opposing what Christ wants to do in me? Am I setting my own self up for glory? Am I setting my own self up for the success of this world and everybody praising me? Or did that just hit too close to home? Because we can do that so easily. And instead of focusing on the Antichrist, maybe we need to focus on the Christ and make sure that we're not becoming an Antichrist ourselves. Hmm, hmm. So this Antichrist comes up on the world stage. How will he bring everyone under his power? This prominent worldwide figure that's going to bring peace and prosperity for a season. How is he going to bring everybody under his power? Well, he's going to need a plan. He's going to need a program. He's going to need some way to bring everybody into submission. So he's going to have everybody receive a mark as a form of identification on their right hand or their forehead. That's what we refer to as the mark of the beast that swears allegiance to the beast, to the Antichrist. Again, using this terminology as a beast, but it's really beauty in the beast because he won't appear like a beast. He'll appear, appear like a beauty. Number two, if you're taking notes, the mark of the beast is both coming and here. Say, Pastor Bern, I understand now what you're talking about. The, the Antichrist is both here and coming, but what about this mark? How is that both here and coming? Well, once again, let's take you on a journey. Uh, starting with the 666 thing, that's always a fun one. People have all kinds of ideas of what that could mean. What does it mean that that's the number of his name? Some people thought that's the amount of letters in his name. So Caesar, six letters in the name Caesar. Well, that must be Caesar. That's why some people thought it was Ronald Wilson Reagan, 666, come on, okay. Uh, some people thought it was your, your security, uh, social security numbers when it came out, right? So we're not going to let our kids or people get social security numbers because that's the mark of the beast. Uh, now we are marking our kids with these numbers. Uh, later, later it became credit cards, you know, these numbers that associate to our lives. We're not going to let that happen. Some identified it with computers, you can look this up, fun fact, that the Apple One, when it was sold in 1976, sold for a price of $666.66. So, is Apple the devil? I'll let you decide that on your own. <laughs> but this mark of the beast, the 666, gets associated with all kinds of things. And whatever the mark is, that's not the point here, whatever the mark is, no one's going to be able to buy or sell without this mark. Nobody's going to be able to, to buy or sell. And so no seal, no sell. And until recently, uh, this has really been a place of uh, uncertainty within the Christian world because you thought, what in the world could this possibly be? Some thought, you know, it's a barcode when that came out and the idea of barcodes. Some thought you're going to barcode a tattoo across your forehead or your wrist, which made sense to some people at that time period. But nowadays, technology is proving to show that it's actually not very far-fetched at all and it actually makes complete sense and it's right here in front of us. I remember in the, the late 90s or so when uh, you started to first be able to wave your credit card in front of the gas pump, right? And it's like, just wave it and go. And they were advertising that. And I was like, no, I'm never doing that. It's the Antichrist spirit. It's the mark of the beast. I'm not doing that. What's the difference between doing that and waving your hand? And, uh, and people would laugh at me and thought I was crazy. And I still don't do it to this day. But that's not the point. Because I'm like, that's just a little sketchy. Like I grew up hearing about this stuff in church. And now we're seeing it act out in front of us. But now 
now it's not even that far out there at all. Because let's just talk about it for a second. Our world is rapidly moving to a cashless system, a system that makes sense. Uh, for instance, anybody use the cash app or one of those type apps that do the same kind of thing? Now, if you've got to pay your babysitter, you don't need cash. You just pay them through the cash app, and it's so easy. It's so quick. It's easier than paying with cash, to be perfectly honest with you. If you need to send your kids money while they're at college, the cash app, just send them money and, and you can do it in an instant. You don't have to you know, try to send a check or something like you used to do a long time ago or whatever. You just cash app them the money or, or, or those kind of things. And then you end up with Apple Pay and Google Pay and Google Wallet and PayPal and Amazon Payments and all of these different things that all paint to this world of online everything and you don't need cash anywhere you are. Uh, inside the world, especially the United States. So we shop online, we pay our bills online. My goodness, even if you buy Christian chicken, you do it online nowadays, like Chick-fil-A. Like, 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 like I don't know about anybody else, but like, I, I love Chick-fil-A because they get through the line fast. Like, you know, you have 500 cars in front of you, but they go through them fast, but you still got 500 cars in front of you. So you download the Chick-fil-A app. The app stores your credit card or your debit card information into it. It actually stores your last you know, things you ordered. And most of us are creatures of habit. We order the same thing every time we go or something of the kind of, you know. And so literally it's almost one click, one click, 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 click. All of a sudden you pull up, they bring it out to your car, they deliver it off to your car. You never even pulled out a debit card, right? We live in this cashless society where everything makes sense and it's getting so, so easy. At the same time, our storefronts are closing and everything's going online. And, but that really makes a lot of sense. In fact, most of us have our phones that, that literally carry our world on our phones. Why not just put that inside of you? Why not just put a chip inside of you that could do the same kind of thing? I mean, we've been putting microchips in our pets for years to make sure we can find our lost pets. My point is it's not hard to picture a day now where you could actually wave your hand over a scanner as you walk out. But the truth is it's not really even there because now we're already a step ahead of that because now you can put an RFID sticker inside of your your stuff that you buy at the grocery store and it can just be embedded into the packaging of what you buy and all of a sudden now you could theoretically just walk out of the grocery store and as you walk through a scanner that scans all of your groceries at one time and then it could scan you at the same time it could easily just walk you don't even have to go to a you don't even have to go to a checkout person it's almost like self-checkout it's almost like we're taking steps to get there without realizing we're taking steps to get there. And theoretically, the groceries should become cheaper to you because you're paying less employees. And so theoretically, that, that savings should be passed on to the consumer and we should actually get our, our groceries or whatever we're buying a little bit less expensive than we would before. So it just makes perfect sense. You walk right out, you walk right in, it scans everything immediately. You know what else is dealt with? Shoplifting? You can't really shoplift and do that very well. And it just instantly debits it right out of your account that's right there in your wrist or your forehead or wherever they put it. And it just instantly comes right out. So you might think, I used to think this way, you might think, who would take the mark? Like, that's just silly. If you know it's coming, who would do that? But the mark makes sense, and only evil people wouldn't want it. Stay with me for a minute if you would. So people probably at this time are more susceptible to the mark because the Bible talks about plagues and droughts and famines that will be happening. If I were to simply put that into our modern language, I would say pandemics and quarantines and riots that are happening. Huh. And they get so caught up in this. You've been stuck in a quarantine for so long that you want anybody to be your savior that rises up to fix it and solve the problem because you're ready for it to be so over. And your allegiance starts to wane into those 
thing. And you start believing that this antichrist figure is a god, or at least treating him like he's a god. You may not believe it. I mean, we're rational people, but at the very minimum, you're treating them that way. And think of how good this technology would be. Listen, if we go to a cashless society, drug dealers have a very hard time selling drugs in a cashless society. Bad people will struggle inside of a cashless society. ID theft and credit card theft would struggle if it's attached to your head and your arm. They'd have to chop off your head or your arm, which may be why they put it in those two places. Not a hidden place. Your head or your hand. And so it would be really hard to do that. So ID theft and credit card theft that's connected, DNA that's connected to your DNA would be so much harder to steal at that point. What if that very thing that you put in could measure your health? What if you could recognize who has a medical emergency? What if you don't have to have life alert and, and help, I've fallen and I can't get up? Some of us remember that if you're in my age group. What if life alert was built into you so in the middle of a crisis, when you're going through a health crisis, immediately they send health responders to your house? Think about that. What a great thing that would be. What a great thing for every single older person that could be literally falling and lying there on the floor and, and you could help them by simply putting a microchip inside of them that would call out for... Why would you not want that? It's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. It, it, could, it could... In the case of where we are right now, it could tell us who around us has COVID. What if it could register those kind of things within a microchip in your body and immediately COVID could be dealt with because the people that have it could all quarantine themselves and everybody else could live their lives. Are y'all with me this morning? Am I making you think too much? Car accidents would happen in the middle of the night and things where people spin out in the snow or the rain or something like that. And all of a sudden they might have died before, but now you can instantly, because it would know where you are at at all times and know your health state at all times and instantly be able to send help into the place that you're at and, and lest we forget some of us carry this already with us everywhere we go in a smaller level i have one right here it's called a smartwatch. it already measures your stress your heartache your heart rate your 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 steps some of them you can pay with your smartwatch already it's already on there why not just stick it inside of your arm inside of your wrist <laughs> See, it could show where you are. You know how many crimes this could solve? Think about that. How many crimes do you think there are out there that, that I don't know if this person did it or not because I don't know if they were truly where they said they were, but you would know where they are. Not only would you know they where they are, but a lot of times you could actually help solve the, the case by knowing what's going on inside their physical body at the time. Oh, they said I was passed out and I wasn't awake when this happened. Well, you can look at them now and tell by their vitals if they were passed out or if they were awake and, and in the middle of murdering somebody or something. Are you with me? And you can see that happening right there in front of you. You could, excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. <clears throat> you could prove guilt or innocence. You know how many less court cases we would have? How about this? How about the missing kids that could happen? All of us have a fear. Every parent has a fear when you're in the mall or when you're in these kind of places, you're at the state fair or something. Like what happens if your kid suddenly vanishes for a few moments? The missing kids you would be able to find. The missing elderly people. That, that, that now are in a mental state where they're not sure where they're at and they vanish and they go wandering around the city and you lose your mind trying to find them and you got all these police run out trying to find them and you can't find them. But if you just put a tracking device, by the way, we've already been tracking people with ankle bracelets for a long time. Why not just have a tracking device that's already in them? The only people that wouldn't want that are the bad people. <laughs> you know, every parent of a teenager, you could know where your teenager was at all times. Come on now. It's Friday night. It's 10.30, where are they? 
what is their blood pressure right now? <clears throat> you know what else that would mean? If it could solve crimes, if it could tell where people are at, if it could do all those things I just mentioned, which I don't think are unbelievable nowadays, if it could do those things, you know what else you'd need or, or not need? You'd need a lot less police. You could, you could defund the police. You could have a lot less policemen because you wouldn't need that many policemen, right? In fact, you wouldn't need nearly as many policemen or a lot of those kind of things because a lot of it would be solved simply by putting the tracking device in you, put, simply by putting the device there that can do the things we've just been talking about. It would almost eliminate terrorism. That, that's a big thing. In fact, the tracking devices really started getting pushed a lot more of the technology after September 11th happened because it would be really hard for terrorists, terrorists to be successful in a cashless society. Not only that, but, but all of us, uh, not, I say all of us, I don't really wear skinny jeans. Some people think these are skinny jeans sometimes. These are not skinny jeans for the record. I'm too fat for skinny jeans. <laughs> but everybody who wears skinny jeans and stuff, you don't have to carry your wallet anymore, right? You know, you know going to the club and people wearing all those really, really, really skinny whatevers. You don't want to have to carry some bulge somewhere with you in the club. You could just put a chip in. Did you know that in 2004, some clubs in in uh, Barcelona, started doing that. So you could put a chip in, in this case it was in your shoulder, so that you could go around and you didn't have to carry your wallet anywhere you went, and others have been following suit ever since in Europe and clubs. So, so why would you do that? All right, all right, if you don't understand the club thing, all the guys who sit on their big fat wallet and somewhere around age 55, you start having back problems, because you're like, I got a blown disc because I've been sitting on this brick forever. You know, every truck driver or guy who drives a long way, all right, it would solve those kind of things, right? It would solve those kind of things. The only people who wouldn't want this technology would be bad people, right? We need this technology. At this point, terrorism may have grown and become an even bigger thing that's going on. The riots, looting, anything like that could become even bigger and greater. And we need this technology. The only people who wouldn't want it would be bad people. Are you all with me this morning? Am I making you think too hard? The point is, and this is what I want you to see, the technology is already here. And it makes sense, especially as the world gets more crazy. And mark my words, it doesn't matter who the president is, the world's going to continue to get crazy. <laughs> and there's only one little bitty, tiny little catch with getting that chip. All the good benefits of it, one little tiny catch. You just have to swear your allegiance to that wonderful person that we all love that's leading the world and say something along the lines of, he is my king, I'm following him, I'm swearing allegiance to him. That's the only little tiny catch and you get all of these great benefits. <laughs> and you know what, if somebody's not willing to swear their allegiance to him, they're probably a bad person anyway. And we probably need to remove them from society because we're going in the right direction. We're going in a direction where we get rid of the bad people. If they're not going to come on to them, then, then we probably need to get rid of them anyway. <laughs> I used to watch, um, some of you know all about this. I'm sorry that you do. I used to watch horrible Christian movies years ago. And some of them were always about, like they always made movies about the rapture and the end of the world. And, and they were just, the acting was so bad and the cinematography, it was just horrible. Thank God we've come a little bit better than that now. And, uh, and I remember watching these movies, and there was always like a scene where the father turns his son in because his son's been reading the Bible, right? Anybody seen this movie? Like, 
like all dozen of them. And so the father, the, the son's like, dad, dad, I just had the Bible under the bed. And the father's going, I found this Bible under my son's bed. And this 13-year-old kid's like, dad, don't turn me in, dad, don't turn me in. And the dad's turning him in and, and turn, taking him to the police station and getting him arrested. And, and I always thought like, how stupid. Like really, really, your dad's going to turn you in and throw you in jail because you got a Bible under your bed. Really? Come on. And then a couple little things about that. You do realize dad doesn't have to turn you in. Alexa will. Come on. Google will. Siri will. Dad doesn't have to turn you in. We just thought it was dad because that's our limited understanding at the time. But it's really hard to live off the grid right now when everything is listening to you at all times. Huh. Huh. The other thing about that is this. And we'll talk more about this in just a moment. As our world becomes more divided, you're seeing hatred on sides. This is especially true in politics, but you see it in general. Our world gets more divided and you see hatred on each side. Hatred gets further and further and further divided if you stop talking to the other party, which is what's happening. And before you know it, they turn in from the other party to being those people, to not being people at all, to being people that need to be exterminated. And you think, oh, we would never get to that place. I don't think we're as far from that place as we might think we are. There are some people that are on the far right or far left in our world today that would exterminate the other side if they could. And that's a sad place to be in. You know, our next series that starts in two weeks from today is all going to be about becoming peacemakers. We are called to be peacemakers in our world. We need to be equipped with the right tools to be peacemakers in our world. And we're going to talk all about that then. Okay, but your debit card is not the mark of the beast. And your dog chip that you put in, you know, fluffy or whatever, that's not the mark of the beast. And that, that, that stamp they put on your hand at Disney World, that's not the mark of the beast. Like some people are like, I've been stamped. No, you're okay. Like, you know, it's not like you've crossed the line, you can't come over. Why, 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 why is that? Because of number three. Because the mark of the beast is about allegiance to the Antichrist. It's about allegiance. It's not about the mark. We as Christians or people, we tend to focus on the mark, especially when you can see it played out so well in our society. We put all the emphasis on, oh, it's the social security number. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. It doesn't matter what that is. That's why that's not bad. It's allegiance to it that becomes bad. That's why I say this. No one will take the mark by accident. Like, like for years, Christians, especially when I grew up, and some of you know all about this, but people would get all scared that they accidentally took the mark of the beast. It's like... Okay, you didn't accidentally take the mark of the beast. It's not something you stumbled onto on accident. You will have some type of moment that you are swearing your allegiance to this antichrist figure. I don't know what that'll look like for sure, but I know it's not going to happen by accident. You're not going to accidentally do it, right? You're going to swear your allegiance. The word mark in the Greek literally means to, to mark out or to etch out. It's like carving your initials in a tree at the state park or something like that. And you mark your initials in it. It comes from that image that back at that time period, they would oftentimes tattoo slaves or bland, brand slaves to say, you are part of mine. I own you. You are mine. You with me? This antichrist through the mark of the beast is saying, I own you, you are mine. Your allegiance is to me and me only. And that image that's happening right there, like you would brand an animal. And this mark shows you belong to the antichrist. So you're not going to find it unknowingly. And anyone who doesn't take this mark will be put to death. Somebody, like, oh, that couldn't be. This happens all the time in the Bible. This isn't unusual. Read the Old Testament especially. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bow down before this statue or we'll kill you. They said, no, I don't think I'm going to bow down. And whether you kill me or whether the God spares me, either way, I'm not going to bow down. They say, do or die. And they said, we'll choose to die. And God restored. God brought them out. Daniel, same kind of thing, right? Stop, stop praying to this other God or we will throw you in a lion's den. But sometimes it didn't end so well. Sometimes we don't get the miraculous story of God's intervention. Sometimes people just die. And this is one of those moments where it's going to be our allegiance put to the test. You swear your allegiance to the Antichrist or you are killed. Seem far-fetched? Hmm. Look at our current cancel culture. Look at the direction that our culture is going to and the hatred that spews out of people because they're not like you for one reason or another, because they don't think like you. Watch how the divide is being divided even further and further and further and further. Let me ask you this question. How long till Christians are charged with hate crimes? In part of our culture right now, especially when it comes to anything about sexuality, how long until Christians are charged with hate crimes because of what they believe in certain areas? Not because they were ugly, not because they were unloving, but because the world deems it a hate crime and you end up in that place. Will you change your allegiance when it gets hard? Hmm. The world is ripe for the rise of the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. Not only for the things we just mentioned, but for years we would teach these kind of things and see these kind of things and, and they didn't necessarily make sense. 25 years ago, many of you have been believers for a long time. 25 years ago, if you had heard this priest in the church, you kind of saw it out there on the horizon, but you didn't see it like you do now. All of a sudden, as time progresses forward, you're walking through the fog that was the mist that kept you blinded to what was coming now. And now you can see it relatively easy. We used to think, how would you have one global leader? You realize for the, for the, for the history of the world, that was, that was a ridiculous concept. But now we have this thing, we don't refer to it this way that much anymore, but the World Wide Web Worldwide web so that you could have one person broadcasting to the entire world, leading the entire world at one time live. That, that was nonsense even, even 40 years ago. How, how could you have one person that led everything? It's not so nonsensical now. And so the, the need is here. The technology is here. The animosity towards people is here. We used to not understand how this could happen, but now it doesn't seem quite so far-fetched. <laughs> now we have the what, the why, and the how. You know what we're missing? The when. The when. I don't know if it's in my lifetime or not, but I can tell you this. What has been prophesied in the Bible and preached for thousands of years in the churches that made no sense now all of a sudden makes sense. All of a sudden you can see it a lot easier than you used to see it. So, I start to close. It's conclusion one. We're Pentecostal, y'all. I start to close with this, because this is where it really hits the road. Because we get all kind of terrified, we get a little scared in this, and, and we see these things, and maybe for some people the light bulb's going off for the first time. Maybe other people are like, I'm glad he's finally saying that. I've been saying that for years, I know. Either way, e either way, the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast are not about the Antichrist in the Mark of the Beast. They're all about allegiance. Allegiance. 
Think about that for a second. Allegiance. It's really all about who will you align yourself with. We're in a political season right now, right? The big question, who are you aligning yourself with? Are you a Trump person or a Biden person? Or are you that nonsensical middle person that just, you know, are you not voting? (sighs) (laughs) But make no mistake, you better align yourself with one or the other. You better choose a camp or you'll be lost. That's the world that we're watching play out in front of us right now. You better swear your allegiance to Trump. (laughs) You better swear your allegiance to Biden. And the question of the Antichrist, we're watching this play out right in front of us right now. The question of the Antichrist is who will you swear your allegiance to? Because the whole world is going to say, swear your allegiance to this guy. And you're going to have the opportunity to do it or not. Where is your hope? Where is your trust? Where is your allegiance? Is it in the government? Is it in money? In the economy? Is it in the president? Where is your trust? Where is your allegiance? Because Christians, we put our allegiance in Jesus Christ alone. We swear allegiance to the kingdom of God. We vote, we get involved in politics, we do those things because they are important and you need to do those things. But never think that a politician is your savior. Never think that everything's going to get better just because of this person or that person. Your Savior died on a cross almost 2,000 years ago to redeem you and set you free. All the others end up with strings attached. So we swear our allegiance to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the kingdom of God. It is not about aligning yourself with a donkey or aligning yourself with an elephant. It is aligning yourself with a lamb. And so we get all worked up talking about the Antichrist. But the story of the Antichrist is really the story of will, how will you align yourself. And whether the Antichrist comes in five years or 50 years or 500 years, you're still fighting that battle right now in America. Because it scares the tarnations out of me how some people have made a political candidate their savior. So he's not my savior. Yeah, he might act like it though. You might act like it though. You might act like the world depends on this person being elected. It all ends if he doesn't get... Have you noticed that happens every four years? Whether your party wins or not, every four years, the world's going to end if the other party's elected. And yet it keeps moving forward. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying where do you put your allegiance? Where do you put your trust? And that's been Satan's scheme forever, is to steal the believer's loyalty The Antichrist comes and he sets himself up on a throne to be worshipped. That's his job. That's what happens. And he wants to be the center of your worship too. Will you align yourself with something else? Or are you aligning yourself with the Lord? Are you aligning yourself with the Lord? I I asked this question. I think it's in your reflection questions. Something like this. Because this is what happens. Human nature is that we think more highly of ourselves. That's human nature. We always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Not everybody else, but just ourselves. So I'm a good person. I might make mistakes, but I'm a good person. We do that, right? So, so, so just pretend, just pretend it wasn't you. What if somebody were investigating your life? What if an alien came down and he's investigating your life and he said, where is your allegiances to? Where are your loyalties found? What would that person find with how you spend your time, with, with the things that you post, the things that you talk about? with your conversations, with your money, 
What, what would that person find was your actual loyalty? Where is your allegiance? Stand up with me around the room if you would. <clears throat> We're going to close in just a moment. I want to end on a better note, but before we get there, before we get there, I want to ask this question. There's some of you in this room that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. You've never given your allegiance to Him. You've never aligned yourself with Him. And today is that moment for you. Today is that moment to say, you know what, I want to give myself over to the Lord. I want to align myself with Him. Some of you are like, I didn't even believe the Bible stuff. Here's the thing, you don't have to believe the Bible, but it's funny how things that have written 2,000 years ago are coming to practice and play in our life right now. It sure seems to be believable to me. And this is an opportunity to align yourself, to give yourself to the Lord and say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be on his side in this matter. Because the truth is you don't have a side anyway. There's the enemy's side. There's the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. You don't get a kingdom. <laughs> if you're in your own kingdom, that's the kingdom of darkness. So if that's you, would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray with you. If that's you in this room and you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you in this room, would you just do me a favor and stick your hand up for just a moment? And I want to pray with you around this room. Amen. 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 Come on, hands around this room. Anybody else? Amen. Come on, pray with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life completely to you. From this day forward, I will follow you. I will serve you. I will align myself completely with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Yes, if you just gave your life to Christ, do me a favor. Make sure you share it with somebody. If you, somebody brought you or whatever, share it with them. Come see one of the pastors afterwards. We'd love to know. Text Jesus to 21777, and uh, we'll start a 21-day devotional with you. Even if you didn't just give your life to Christ, you're just like, I just want 21 days of devotions. Do it. It's awesome. And uh, we'll text you every day with a new devotional, a little thought to kind of help you on this journey. It's really a beautiful thing. All right, now to everybody else in the room. I want to transition slightly and end on a positive note because if I end right now, you're going to walk out like losing your mind because the Antichrist is coming and he's probably your next door neighbor because you didn't like that guy anyway. <laughs> so we need not fear. Throughout the Bible, we're told over and over, we're no longer slaves to fear. We're not a slave to that anymore we just sang about. We're not a slave to fear anymore. Now we are people of freedom. So how does that play out? In our world, we don't face a whole lot of persecution, but in the early church world, they face persecution all the time. Now, Jesus, when he came, fulfilled Jewish feasts. These Jewish feasts that they would have, these giant festivals, these big parties they would have, uh, became moments of celebrating what God had done, but they also became prophetic moments of what God was going to do. Jesus came and he fulfilled, there's seven of them, he fulfilled the first four. The fifth one is the one that he would be uh, uh, fulfilling when he comes back. The fifth one is called the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets worked like this. You had the harvest season. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You have the harvest season. Jesus ascends to heaven during the harvest season of the normal year for the Jewish person. They would be harvesting the crops out in the fields, working the fields, until the point that the trumpet sounded that would call them in from the harvest and back to the next festival. The, the Feast of Trumpets. And so they were always waiting. Now they could tell the signs of the times. They could recognize the moments, the seasons. They knew that the time was coming soon, but they didn't know exactly when. 
And so as the time got shorter and shorter, they would look out over their fields and their crops and go, I got to make sure I get all this done because this Feast of Trumpets is the end of the harvest season. It's the first fall festival. This Feast of Trumpets, I have to have it all done. So they would look out over the fields and go, I still got to get this done and this done. And they actually, they actually worked harder because they knew their time was running out. Are y'all with me? So this is what I'm saying. Jesus will return with the trumpet's call. In the meantime, your job and my job is to be in the harvest fields. What should we do? We're in the fields reaping the harvest better than ever, stronger than ever, going after God greater than ever, and bringing others with me so that when the trumpets call, we can say, well done, my good and faithful servant to us. God can say that to us. Watching the signs of the times. Because here's the fact. Satan's antichrist is coming. But so is God's Christ. So is Jesus Christ. (laughs) And don't walk out of this room so focused on the Antichrist that you miss God's Christ because he is returning. Here here it is. All right, so, so cultures of the world all have different words oftentimes that they would use for, for welcoming, for hello and goodbye. Like, you go to Hawaii, they say aloha, right? right. Uh, you go to Israel, they'll say shalom, peace be unto you. Shalom, that's how you would greet somebody and how you would leave the person. If you go to Nepal, the Christians would say jaimasi, jaimasi. You go to parts of India, they'll say namaste. They, they say these things, right? And it's these words that they use when they come and when they go. The early Christians had a word they used too that we don't really use very often anymore. And that word is maranatha, maranatha. Some of you might have heard that word before, Maranatha music, different things like that. Maranatha is an ancient Syriac expression that means our Lord comes. Our Lord comes. So when they would greet one another, they would say, our Lord comes. Maranatha, our Lord is coming. That gives us reason to worship. But when they walked away from one another, they would say, our Lord comes. That gives us reason to hope even in the midst of hard times. Look at your neighbor and say, Maranatha. We need to not focus on the Antichrist. We need to be focused on the return of the Christ and being people of Maranatha that says, Our Lord comes. And that is my focus. That's why we walk out of a place like this with hope, not walking out in fear that the Antichrist is coming tomorrow and he's coming to your door and he's going to put you in a guillotine like all those old movies we watched. No, walking out with hope and perseverance that our Lord comes. Maranatha. We need to bring that back into the church, y'all. Maranatha. Maranatha. Yeah. So we're going to sing one last song for just a second and I want us to make sure we give our allegiance fully and totally over to the Lord before we dismiss in just a second. So wherever your heart may be tempted to be torn. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it is this political season and maybe you have put a little bit uh, too much focus in one way or another. Whatever it is, turn your allegiance over to God. Make him Lord of your life, King of your life. Jesus name. Come on, let's worship for just a moment. Hey guys, wasn't that such an amazing message? If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to follow our podcast. Also, make sure to share this with your friends on social media and use the hashtag MyAriseChurch. For more information or to give to this ministry, go to MyAriseChurch.com. I hope to see you guys soon.